This is the Meet Me at the Spot podcast, where we meet at the intersections of sexual health and the world around us. Each week, we will discuss sexual health current events, politics, social justice issues, and more. Get excited because it is time to start the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Meet Me at the Spot. My name is Holly, and as you can tell by this episode's title, we have a lot to talk about this week. I want to thank every person who has reached out and given such amazing feedback so far. It has truly been overwhelming and has given me so much energy. Before we jump in, I want to take a moment to check in with how everyone's doing this week, how you're really doing this week. If you're doing well, how are you celebrating that? If you aren't having the best week, what are some ways you're working through that? If you're kind of in the middle, feeling just kind of meh, what would make you feel better? However you're feeling, let's take a deep breath together. Shoulders relax. Drop your tongue from the roof of your mouth. Shake out all the stress. So first, let's acknowledge that it is February and it is Black History Month. When we talk about sexual and reproductive health, and specifically around reproductive justice, we must acknowledge and respect the role Black people, specifically Black women, have played. Next week's episode is going to focus on celebrating Black leaders in the reproductive justice movement. We're going to talk about disparities that exist and really focus on how these disparities have come to be and how we can work together to start to fix these issues. I also want to highlight that National Condom Awareness Day happens to be on Valentine's Day. That's on the 14th for those of you who don't celebrate. I will be posting on my Instagram and Twitter a lot of great information on condom use as a part of taking care of your sexual health. Today's episode, we are going to talk about what sexual health is and what it isn't, and talk about what's going on in the United States in terms of various sexual health topics. This is going to be a brief overview, and we will deep dive into all of these issues and more in future episodes. I say that because I don't want to stress you out thinking that I'm just glossing over some major topics today, we will dive into them, I promise. So don't don't get stressed, okay? Of course, please feel free to message me on social media if there are topics that you really want me to focus on. want to be transparent that today's episode will be discussing some topics that may be distressing for folks who are listening. I will be discussing abortion, maternal mortality, and attacks on the LGBTQ plus community. Please invest in your self-care and stop listening 
or fast forward through any parts that feel distressing for you. Before we really jump into sexual health topics today and moving forward, I thought it would be a really good idea to get on the same page as to what sexual health is. So I want everyone to take a moment and think about what immediately comes to mind when I say sexual health. I know some of you listening have been working in this field for a long time, and so you're trying to recite some definition that you probably learned in college. Some of you listening are thinking sexual health is just about getting some really good sex and trying to avoid pregnancy if that's not what you want right now and trying to avoid contracting a disease. And some of you listening are having varying definitions that are somewhere in between those two. It really makes total sense that we would all have different definitions considering many professional organizations also have varying definitions. So the World Health Organization defines sexual health as a state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality. It is not merely the absence of disease, dysfunction, or infirmity. The CDC also uses this definition for sexual health. The American Sexual Health Association defines sexual health as the ability to embrace and enjoy our sexuality throughout our lives. It is an important part of our physical and emotional health. Now, as we can see just by these two definitions, sexual health goes beyond just reproduction and disease. So many factors play into what sexual health is, such as sexual orientation, gender, body image, consent, relationships, pleasure, and so much more. When we start to think about the state of sexual health in the United States, the only question that came up for me immediately was, what in the actual fuck is happening? Those of us who work in this field have collectively been screaming obscenities for the past six or seven years. And if I'm going to be honest, it's been even longer than that. It has felt very doom and gloom and as if a lot of progress that had been made has now just really gone to shit. We are going to discuss a few sexual health topics today. As we have learned, news changes very quickly around many of these topics and I will keep updating you all each week. Let's go ahead and start with the big one and talk about abortion. If you've been paying attention, you know it's really been a shit show since June of 2022. To catch some folks up, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which left the legality of abortion up to individual states. Now, abortion restrictions are not new in this country. Anti-abortion policymakers have enacted more than 1,300 abortion restrictions since Roe was decided in 1973. This is on top of the existing failures of this country's healthcare and economic systems that have specifically impacted Black, Indigenous, and Latino communities, as well as other communities that are subject to systemic racism and economic inequalities. It's safe to say that in the last six to seven months, a bad situation 
has become far worse. 12 states have made abortion illegal. 12 states have enacted policies and laws that create a hostile situation where there may be decisions that are currently held up in courts, which has led to a lot of confusion among providers. And an additional three states do not have any abortion protections and are therefore at risk for potential abortion bans or restrictions in the future. This Supreme Court decision has led to so much confusion and people's lives are being put at stake waiting for lawyers to figure out the answers so physicians don't lose their job or get arrested. Lawyers who are looking for answers that don't necessarily exist in black and white. Abortion is safe and it is necessary. When we talk about abortion, there are essentially two types of abortions. The one that most people are probably familiar with or think about immediately when you think about abortion is an in-clinic or surgical abortion, which is a medical procedure. And we also have medication abortion, where someone takes medication, as the name suggests, to induce an abortion. The stance of myself and this podcast is very much pro-abortion, in addition to being pro-choice. If you're not familiar with the terminology around pro-abortion, there is an amazing article that I will link in the show notes called Why I Am Pro-Abortion, Not Just Pro-Choice. And it really walks through amazing points why someone would be pro-abortion and what that means. It's a very short read and I highly recommend that folks check it out and understand that being pro-abortion doesn't mean that I want everyone to have abortion. It means that I am more than just pro-choice. Definitely read that article. It's excellent. Now I could talk about abortion access all day long and it will be a topic we talk more about in some upcoming episodes. So in line with talking about abortion, I think it's really important for us to talk about maternal health in this country. So the United States continues to exceed the rate of maternal mortality compared to other high-income countries. The maternal mortality rate is exceptionally high for Black women. It's more than double the average rate and nearly three times higher than the rate for white women. I want to be very clear that this is a policy choice and that there are policies that the U.S. can put in place that would reduce these rates and are choosing not to. These policies include free or at least affordable primary care, comprehensive reproductive health care before, during, and after pregnancy, maternal health care workforce, that is covered by insurance, and comprehensive postpartum support. Now, the U.S. currently does not provide universal health care, which leaves about 8 million people of reproductive age uninsured. We need more support for pregnant people. We need to train our health care workforce to listen to Black pregnant people. We need to enact policies that allow doulas to be covered by insurance. 
we need more than just a six-week postpartum checkup. It is absolutely ridiculous how much love and attention we give someone throughout their pregnancy. And once they have the baby, it is just like, well, see ya. Good luck to you. Hope you hope you're doing great. Come back in six weeks. We'll tell you when you can have sex again. That is absurd to me. Absolutely absurd. No one should go into labor and delivery simply hoping they don't die at the hands of people who are supposed to be caring for them while bringing new life into this world. It is absolutely incredibly terrifying to be a pregnant person in this country. And I say that as a well-educated, insured, middle-class white person. It is terrifying. It is very scary and it is very expensive. And there are very little to no supports for folks after six weeks. I'm going to be very honest about that. Unless you are going into looking into specialized parenting groups and things like that, but a lot of those things cost additional money and resources, and it's been really hard during COVID to get together safely. All right, let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about LGBTQ plus rights in the United States. There are currently almost 300 anti-LGBTQ bills being proposed in the 2023 legislative session. Not all of those will become laws, but they all cause harm to LGBTQ plus people. These bills include things like limiting the ability to update gender information on IDs and records, book bans and drag show bans, which have been in the news a lot lately, restrictions to medically necessary healthcare, like gender-affirming care for trans people, restrictions to trans students participating in school sports, restricting discussions of LGBTQ plus people in the classroom, like restricting what teachers can talk about in the classroom, for example, allowing employers, businesses, and even hospitals to refuse care to LGBTQ plus people. And of course, bills to prohibit people from using the bathroom that matches their gender identity. And these are just some of the examples. This isn't even an all-inclusive list. LGBTQ plus people have the right to exist. And that is just a bare minimum. LGBTQ plus people deserve the right to live openly without discrimination and enjoy equal rights. Denying basic rights and protections will lead to death. I don't say this as some sort of scare tactic. I say this as a statement of reality. And that is because we already know what happens when LGBTQ plus people are denied their right to comfortably and authentically exist in our society. We have to do better. I know I just went off on three very heavy subjects and I am sitting here all riled up and pissed off. I'm not even going to lie to you, but I want to take a moment and let's take a deep breath. 
this shit is heavy and it's infuriating and at times feels very dystopian, so to say. Well, I'm speaking about these issues in this episode as current events and topics that are in the news right now. I'm not blind to the fact that these issues are not new for many communities, especially those most impacted. I'm also cognizant of the fact that I live in a very blue state, and I see a lot of protections that other states just don't. And I also mentioned that I live in a somewhat red area of that blue state, and there are some policies that restrict sexual health topics. I have been restricted on things that I could talk about with young people in some jobs that I have held. School districts have limited what information they allow youth to have. This is dangerous. It is not rooted in evidence at all, and we'll talk more about that in a future episode. We have decades of research supporting discussing sexual health topics with youth and how important it is. I think it's really appropriate to feel all the feels, right? So angry, sad, pissed off, whatever it may be. I want to encourage us to not let those feelings stop us from advocating for those issues. A lot of this is heavy and it sometimes feels very overwhelming, like there's too much to fix and not enough solutions. And so many of us tend to shut down from doing any work at all. I am a very solutions-oriented person, and I don't like to ever leave y'all without some sort of action items. I'm never going to get you all riled up and then say, okay, that's the podcast. So I will give some action items. These are just a couple, and there are a lot of action items and ways to be a part of advocating for the U.S. doing a better job. All action items that I mention will be in the show notes and also in my link tree, which can be found on all my social media sites. One of my favorite resources is Chop Wood Carry Water Daily Actions. This is a great way to stay informed by getting a daily newsletter to your email, very short and brief, with what is going on and ways to advocate. Jessica Craven, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, who is the author, even includes scripts to use when you call. Like, How great is that? If you're like me and you have social anxiety, a word-for-word script, when you call your senator, say this. When you call your representative, say this. It's amazing. Not all of her focuses are on sexual and reproductive health issues but they do come across often on the emails that she sends. Also, as we have discussed and will continue to discuss as part of this podcast, so many topics intersect with sexual health. There are also items to celebrate because there is good work that is happening. It is not all doom and gloom, I promise you. And we deserve to celebrate and recognize when good things happen. Another action item is the Women's March. I am fully aware of the many issues and concerns that people have with the Women's March, especially in the beginning around the 2016-2017. 
And I can recognize that the Women's March has made a lot of strides in listening to feedback that they were given and really work hard to advocate and organize people to take action. Their website has a lot of resources, an action hub, social media posts to share, and events in your area to get involved in. The Women's March has become very intentional about using inclusive language and recognizing the many intersections of this work. No organization is perfect, and every organization has work to do, and we can recognize that the Women's March has come a long way from the 2017 pink pussy hats. Another action item I have for you is to follow more Black content creators on social media. If you are following Black folks and learning from them, pay them if you are able to. Most content creators have their Venmo or Cash App in their bios, and if they don't, simply just message and ask them for it. Being a part of book clubs and discussions to learn about Black history is really great, but the bills are due and the conversations we have within our social circles are not paying the bills. We wanna make sure we are compensating folks for their time and energy to educate us. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the resources from today's show. As we wrap up this week's episode, let's discuss our term of the week, which is intersectionality. The concept of intersectionality, which was coined in 1989 by Professor Kimberly Crenshaw, describes the ways in which systems of inequality based on gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender identity, disability, class, and other forms of discrimination intersect to create unique dynamics and effects. This term has roots in the frustration of feminists of color with various organizations that solely have focused on gender as the main source of oppression and discrimination for women or female-bodied people. In terms of sexual health, intersectionality means looking at the various ways that sexual health is connected to other issues that may not seem related, such as immigration or climate change. Intersectionality challenges us to confront the ways in which we have privilege and how those privileges may mitigate the effects of any oppression we may encounter. It also forces us to confront how we may even be complicit in the oppression of others because of the privileges we have. This podcast was really built on the idea of intersectionality and opening our minds to the ways the world around us impacts sexual health and vice versa. I invite us all to keep in mind this definition and concept as we continue on this journey. I look forward to hearing from you all and getting your thoughts. Until next week, bye! Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, meet me at the spot podcast. Do you love the show and want to support the podcast? Well, check out the show notes for all the ways to support the work I do. All links related to today's episode can also be found in the show notes. 
help others find this podcast by following me and leaving a review and also spread the word on social media. See you next week when we meet at the spot.